0: Hello and welcome to episode number four of a Rooftop Casual Podcast. I'm your host Ross Medlin and on today's show we have Nicole Zimbler, head trainer and founder of Yotism, a yoga for autism training school and founder of a unique specialised sensory yoga method designed to enhance the lives of those with ASC, Autism Spectrum Condition. It's a powerful and profound practical technique that aids children and adults on the autistic spectrum. It fuses together our modern age scientific understanding of movement, the brain and neurosensory systems with the ancient healing art of yoga. Yotism is a compassionate, progressive organisation that is dedicated to bringing the magic of yoga to everyone, constantly developing, researching and building awareness on this new adapted yoga for autism method. Yotism provides quality yoga for autism training for professionals, parents teachers and anyone in the SEN community. Nicole, welcome and thank you for being on the show.
1: That's great. Thank you so much for inviting me, Ross. And um, you know, before we begin, I just want to acknowledge that how great it is that uh, you've sort of invited me and you have such an active passion about educating and, uh, you know, offering some more information on you know some holistic techniques that can be used for autism or any kind of neurodiversity so I'm well done to you for all the amazing work that you are doing as well with um you know in the SEN world so thank you.
0: Oh no thank you um just to give a little bit of background to the listeners about how this <laughs> came about um so yotism uh yoga and autism are two subjects I personally resonate with um Being a tutor in an SEN college, one of my colleagues who had recently finished doing a a three-day course with yourself, Nicole, um, mentioned your organization when they heard I was implementing yoga as part of one of my more challenging uh, students' Monday morning routine. Um, I do a full hour which combines certain basic stretches, breathing exercises, and afterwards, and this will sound familiar to anyone in the SAN community, it will be 20 minutes of lying down with a weighted blanket, uh, massage techniques um, as well. And this session really helps to set the week up right for this person. And depending on the mindset and headspace, you can really get the most out of this person with this type of structure in place. So, anyway, when I heard about yotism, my immediate thought was I need to have these people on the podcast now. <laughs> but even before <laughs> even before speaking with yourself, Nicole, I'm so glad to hear there's something like this out there. But my first mm. question to you is, uh, what's your story, your background? How did you personally get into yoga, therapy, and yoga as a therapy? Mm. Sorry, big um, question. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, basically, for as long as I can remember, really, I've been totally drawn to working uh, therapeutically, and holistically with people, and most especially uh, people with any kind of neurodiversity, um, like autism. Mm -hmm. Uh, At 16, and of course way before I knew any of what I know now, I volunteered for an organization called Mencap, which I'm sure we all know, Mm -hmm. on a befriending scheme which gave me the opportunity to offer days out to um, a, a young man in particular, actually, who was actually not that much younger than me. He was, he was 13, um, but his sort of developmental age was much younger than that. Um, and this not only being such a lovely opportunity for him, to experience different kinds of social environments and also somebody else who was a little bit more of a peer mentor, so to speak, it offered, you know, respite for his his wonderful family. And when I look back, I think, oh my gosh, I was slightly out of my depth, really, because he was a very, very active, impulsive and, uh, you know, sort of quite highly alert young man and that time around 25 years ago or something kind of way you know back then there was a lot less education around the neurodiversity around autism and no training for mencap really which i know is very different now uh, but I threw myself in, and I built up a really lovely bond, and just totally loved it, and and just you know felt um, the magic of connecting with somebody that just has a different way of processing.
0: It's the it's the personal touch that brings people into this, uh, for lack of a better word, industry um, or profession. Yeah. For me personally, you know, previous jobs to this, I've worked in kind of bakeries and retail and stuff like that, but that's it. it the monotony of that just, it, it killed me, basically. And I needed something which had some sort of reward to it or something with a personal touch. Do you see what I mean? And I came into yeah. this, I think, similar to you, kind of, as you say, out of your depth. But uh, it's been the most enriching experience of my life.
1: Oh, yeah, it really is. and you, and you, I mean, you just get such amazing feedback um, in, in a way that is uh, very sincere and genuine, um, which... Sometimes in our our general everyday connections, um, you know, can be a little bit limited. Uh, So this just gave me some real inspiration to start working with that human connection thing, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, And so when I I went off traveling and sort of found yoga while I was traveling around the world and um, came back... Oh, no, so I trained in India, sorry, at the age of 20 um, as a yoga teacher. And at that time, there were really only four main yoga schools and styles of practice, which obviously now, since then, yoga as an industry, for a better word, has obviously boomed into lots of different styles and techniques, which is, is great and it makes it very accessible to, you know, the majority of people. Um, but to me, when I trained as a yoga teacher and then had had experience of work with neurodiversity, it just felt such an obvious and natural thing to do to adapt the yoga that I was teaching to meet the needs of those with any kind of different ability. And that could be physical, neurological or psychological. Amazing. And, yeah. And so with that, you know, I just sort of got kickstarted, kickstarted into lots of Self study and passionate inquisition into holistic therapies as a whole, neuroscience, education, remedial learning, and lots of progressive therapies for families and children. Um, when I trained as a holistic therapist and learnt how to be a reflexologist, a massage therapist, and counsellor, um, I had two of my own children. And I sort of thought, well, I've got two young children and I tried to build a career around being flexible enough to be there for them and look after them, which did definitely for me did not involve sort of going to an office every day or having a very general kind of nine to five, nine to six working environment. Um, and I just wanted to do what I was passionate about, which was basically the path of yoga, healing. Support, education, human development, and spiritual science, and that was, you know, all that I was interested in, actually. So I took up a number of training courses um, in yoga therapy, and one of my most kind of powerful and inspiring roles, which also sparked sort of the light bulb in developmental studies, was as a doula, which is a holistic pre and postnatal birth partner.
0: I was going to come on to that. Um, Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. If I could, I'd like to read off your experience for the listeners at home. Um, And it says on your website, you have 18 years experience as a yoga teacher and therapist. Uh, You're also an integrated developmental therapist, a neurosound therapist, um, SAS accredited neurosensory master practitioner, retained reflex rhythmic movement trainer, remedial and learning support specialist, yoga teacher, yoga therapist for children with special needs, reflexologist, he uh, said dola and baby massage instructor and healer. Um, do you find dola is the thing you get most gratification from then?
1: Um, oh no, all of it, but mm. the the ring work definitely um, inspired me in a way that was just so uh, magical, powerful and intimate. And also, you know, with, with that real kind of human, Um, social science element to it as well in terms of development and bonding and um, you know where we where we start like working therapeutically from the root up um, with our systems and our developmental systems which um, you know is a massive kind of area of interest and passion for me especially with working with neurodiversity um, in terms of you know the impact that some of those developmental systems have on the overall being.
0: So, what does a, a, a jeweler? So, am I pronounced that right? <laughs> jeweler?
1: <A> doula.
0: Doula. <laughs> How, what does that actually entail, though?
1: So, that entails um, uh, it, it depends what the um, direct needs are of mm. the men, the woman, the female, or the man, or the family as a whole, sometimes siblings as well. Uh, But generally, it entails working with the mother, either just the mother singularly or the father or the family as a whole, um, during the pregnancy, so Mm -hmm. antenatally, and um, doing different kinds of techniques and practices to prepare for birth. And then um, as a birthing partner, so then generally you'll be there for the birth as well. And then, as a support network and system post-birth, too. So um, you build up a really intimate connection with somebody because I think that's probably one of the most, you know, profound and intimate moments in people's lives is, uh, Mm. you know, when their child gets born, um, or when they're born. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's um, it it just the type of work that really sparked a, a, a major area of interest in me on, about developmental studies and started my journey into an integrative developmental therapist and also using sound as a, a, as a therapeutic intervention or, you know, as a therapeutic kind of way of working. Um, When I was during the births, and in postnatal care especially, um, I'd always be drawn to using sound. And it would always work as an instant vibration changer. You know, Mm. so for instance, if we needed to, you know, really calm and support and create this really nice sort of calm and supportive environment, or if we needed to sort of activate and energize and, and, you know, bring the environment uh, a little bit more up and uh, you know support it with something a little bit more energetic and um, from that experience and from seeing how instant it was I sort of became in awe of the power of using sound to enhance you know the connection um, between just someone with themselves but then also with working with someone therapeutically.
0: That sounds amazing and it Strikes on something I want to hit hit on here, because before we start talking about Yosism specifically, there is one thing on that list that I read out that really caught my attention. That was the SAS accredited neurosensory master practitioner. And when doing a little bit of research on this, I found that you are the UK manager of sensory activation solutions, if I'm right. Yep. And for the listener at home, um, it's an organisation which designs and develops auditory integration systems and applies listening-activated programmes that serve to help children and adults with any learning or developmental difficulties. Uh, this sounds amazing, but can you break that down for me? Uh, I've watched a couple of videos on this method, but for me and the listeners at home, what is the SAS method? Yes,
1: yeah, so, the, um, so the, the SAS method is basically using sound to help the way that the brain processes information. So um, we do this through certain designed listening programs. So Mm. the sound that we use is enhanced and modulated in certain ways. Um, So for instance, as part of a listening program, there will always be a classical Uh, baroque element to it in terms of the listening and uh, this has certain time steps to it which match uh, certain kind of synaptic neural connections and um, we use the sound by moving it around so we can access both right and left listening Mm. and therefore right and left brain and um, activate certain brain centers, for instance, like the speech and language centers, directly through using repetitive training. So somebody who takes a program will listen daily for a period of time. And through this repetitive listening training, we are developing either neural networks that are already there that need strengthening to enhance certain skills like uh sensory filtering or communication or understanding or expression um to um oh sorry i lost my train of thought now <laughs> um so we can activate the the these connections through the repetition of the listening. So either it's it's retraining neural connections that are already there or creating new pathways to develop certain skills in the brain and activate them. And through the auditory processing system, which is extremely powerful and dynamic, um, We have found, science has proven that there is lots of things that you can do and access in the brain through this system. And also one of the things that often goes kind of hidden in anybody with a kind of learning difference or developmental difference is is that the auditory processing system often can be a little bit um, disrupted and disruption to the sensory system as a whole and obviously you know we don't know this until we actually get clearer processing and suddenly you know functionality can get a bit easier as well so you know if there is for instance with things like dyslexia when there is difficulties in understanding and processing certain you know functions Mm. um, we can use a program to really Help and enhance that learning and that enhance that, the abilities. Um, with autism specific, sensory processing being one of the, the biggest disruptors, as well, in that we can use a listening program and modulate it to a way to enhance sensory filtering yeah with speech and language specifically um we have a really amazing element to the listening program speech and language i'll just explain it very quickly Mm -hmm. um in that one of the things that we'll do is input music into the left ear and because the it crosses over is that information coming into the left ear will be processed more predominantly in the right brain hemisphere and Vice versa, information coming in through the right ear gets processed more predominantly in the left hemisphere. So what we can do is use that to our, our advantage in terms of speech and language development. So we'll input music into the left ear, so the right brain, which is very happy and what its job is really to process the intonation of speech. So like the melody of speech as I kind of talk and go up and down and ask questions and you know, we can understand it through that. And then we'll input deliberate speech and language through the right ear so that the left brain, which is where the more cognitive processes of speech live, so understanding, association and retention of speech, has... Direct training. So that language has to go directly to that uh, center where the language is uh, processed more predominantly. And then you just repeat, repeat, repeat and create more automatic networks.
0: So you're saying people who are living with autism or dyslexia, does their brain have a hard time, or the two sides of the brain have a hard time multitasking information that's coming essentially cross you know, from the right ear to the left side of the brain, is it having a hard time kind of processing both at the same time? Is that what you're saying?
1: Sometimes uh, the communication between the two brain halves could be a little bit better or smoother, let's say, um, and that can then really enhance functioning.
0: And you're saying it helps um, with kind of filtering of sounds as well. Does this does it have like more of a, a benefit if this uh, has early intervention?
1: Um, I mean, uh, from my experience, if there is a definite known, um, you know, difficulty or difference, early intervention is always best, especially when it comes to speech and language development. Um, But just in the saying that, you know, there is so much that goes on with neurodiversity and neuroplasticity, we never really know what's going to happen. So, you know, um, the, the effects with uh, a more mature brain or, or an adult um, processing system can also be just as powerful as well, depending on the individual.
0: Okay. And is, is this system in any way similar to um, binaural meditation in any way?
1: Well, um, not exactly, but there are elements that you know, do, do cross over in terms of the frequency, uh, using certain frequencies to activate certain brain states to mm. then be able to, you know, function with a, a greater capacity or ability, yeah.
0: Okay, so were you a part of Sensory Activation Solutions before Yotism? Yes. And uh, what was the inspiration behind Yotism itself?
1: So, um, the inspiration behind um, Yotism, I think, that what Yotism stands for, and um, the training was a bit in the background for a long, long time. It just hadn't quite come into form. Um, At the time, I was managing uh, SAS and really getting, you know, very passionate and and, um, trying to find as much information as I could about these type of uh, therapies and also sensory processing and, you know, certain uh, sort of more holistic alternative approaches. Um, I was also working, uh, and still do and have been, as a movement therapist in a a Steiner school, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit more of a remedial learning environment, and um, as a yoga therapist in an autism-specific school, and I also work very closely at the time, and still do with a charity called A Second Voice, which is um, a charity Um, that is an amazing advocator and educator and and passionate about providing support and practical services to children and families with spectrum differences in the um, BAME community so the black and multi-ethnic community So um, we ran a lot of support groups and family support groups and so the exposure um, in terms of working therapeutically um, with children adults and families with with spectrum differences was just getting richer and richer and richer and then um, I There was sort of just serendipity that took place in terms of we had an opportunity um, I had an opportunity where I met somebody along the way uh, a man called David Allens Who is a man on the spectrum who actually? um, created an organization that wanted to uh you know really promote and um advocate yoga Mm. for people on the spectrum so we teamed up for a short while and i developed the uh the training and we ran um a course together which was really good and then we went our separate ways so um that was sort of where it was born it was just it it came out of kind of a little seed that had been you know planted a long 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 time ago and then just of me and him coming together and um him saying right let's do this and i just went yeah okay let's do this and uh, wrote the program and it's just grown from there
0: amazing and if i could uh Read out to the listeners um, something you have on your bio. It says, As the creator of Yotism's comprehensive method, I have been inspired by many great teachers who act as innovators in this field and one of the greatest inspirers of this age science, along with a practical spiritual exploration. Two yogis in particular have inspired me. The founders of methods of yoga for children with special needs, Sonia Soma, if I pronounce it right, hopefully, um, who introduced Adapted Yoga over 30 years ago and Joe Manuel, who founded and formed the Special Yoga Centre. What was it about these uh, Adapted Yoga methods that was uh, inspiring to you?
1: Um, I think the thing that really um, opened up a whole kind of new portal of working for me was that it introduced me to a really new sincere sort of heart opening way of working therapeutically with children and um, developmental differences in that um, you know it was very connected to working very directly with the individual's needs and really working from that place and adapting your approach to meet them Um, where you know whereas sort of In the education world, anyway, you know, it's very much about this is the approach and the children need to meet that rather than adapting your approach to meet them. And I think that's the bit that that really made a big difference to me. And then I could then really run with everything that I have already, you know, was well established in and the yoga that I've just, you know, lived throughout my whole life and adapt it to really meet the needs of the individual that you're working with.
0: I love what you just said there. It's a very person-centred approach. Um, it's not about them adapting to things that we've made, but us adapting to their needs. Um, does the Yotism sensory yoga method differ from these adapted yoga methods?
1: So I think that uh, what we've tried to do with Yotism is to create a really coherent, sort of structured approach That is accessible to anyone. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we have created a a, a layered approach which has a real neuroscientific element to it as well. Um, And because I have um, a skill base that I have in terms of the SAS sort of, um, you know, technology and also you know, having a really kind of great passion for neuroscience and movement together um, with and, and autism as a whole. Our practice is, is a really nice structured and easy to apply approach that targets specifically um, sort of the neurosensory system.
0: It sounds really comprehensive. Um, So who's the team behind Yotism? So it's yourself, and I know there's a few other people involved as well.
1: So luckily, uh, we've got a lovely team, and uh, for me, it's like a family. So um, the original sort of two founders, which was me and a wonderful kind of lifelong friend and soul sister who called a lovely lady called Veronica... And we have, uh, you know, walked together along the journey of yoga and self-development and, um, you know, learning. We've been through, you know, multitude of courses and uh, kids and marriages and divorces and, you know, all of this throughout our lives. Um, we originally actually met in Thailand doing yoga together. So that's where our, our journey began. Um, And her style of yoga took her to uh, a different sort of group and diverse set of people and working from a different um, place. And mine was very predominantly working with neurodiversity and, you know, those yoga therapeutic needs. Um, And so she had a very much more ashtanga type of method and was working with um, babies and pregnancy yoga, and mine was you know a, a really nice kind of neuroscientific approach. So um, together, we have uh, really you know grown what yotism stands for and the technique and the practice and the application that goes with it. Um, We've both had a burning interest in using adapted yoga to make it accessible to anyone. And it's kind of led to days and weeks and years of conversation, practical training and exploration together. Um, And then luckily on this uh, sort of this opportunity that we had to run this first course in November 2014, um, one of the ladies on the course approached us at the end, and um, she was sort of so she felt so inspired. I guess she just sort of jumped and said, "Oh, do you have, do you want anyone to join your team?" and that, and it just felt right. And so um, from then onwards, and she's a, a yogi and she's a, a teacher for the deaf amongst a range of other kind of amazing skills and things that she she does. Um, so. We, all the three of us, built you know an amazing kind of relationship, and we really share and learn from each other significantly. And we can all uh, you know bring in our our own individual skill sets. So it's really nice to work in a team in that way.
0: For people at home, they may they may hear Ashtanga Yoga out in the community as uh, something you can go to in the evening, but is adapted yoga where you take forms of that kind of, uh, the positions and stuff you do, but you adapt it uh, to the needs and requirements of people who are on the spectrum essentially.
1: Yeah. So, um, the basis of Yotism's method is, is more Hatha yoga style, which is, uh, you know, sort of quite a traditional yoga method. Okay. Um, but also it has lots of influences. um, from other movement techniques, for instance, something called Brain Gym, which is kind of a neurological body-brain system, which helps, enhances learning and development. Um, it's There There are also other influences from um, a rhythmic movement training, which is something that helps to integrate the primitive reflex system, which is what feeds our sort of fight-flight-fright responses. Um, and obviously um the one of our main influences is obviously it, is you know sort of relaxation and mindfulness techniques as well which are, are varied throughout but one of the key things with the autism really is about is taking all of these kind of aspects but putting it into a very simple and accessible approach and technique
0: amazing what's the difference between uh Hatha yoga and Ashtanga yoga. What what's the practical difference between the two?
1: Um, so the practical difference between the two really is this. Ashtanga yoga is a much more sort of dynamic, energising, more physically based yoga. Although you know, as a traditional, uh, you know, it's taught method, it it has, still has all the elements of yoga, which is you know, body, mind, and soul or spirit whatever you want to call it so um but it's definitely much more a a dynamic physical style of yoga whereas a hatha yoga style is a bit more intuitive it has more of a slower flow to it and it really is um, a lot about getting in communication with your body with your mind and you know with your being as a
0: whole Okay, uh, my definition of yoga is kind of essentially getting comfortable in uncomfortable places, really, <laughs> um, when I do it for myself. But there is nothing like the feeling of, uh, let's say you're in a really a deep stretch, but it's just allowing your body, because there's a, that initial point where your body goes, oh, you shouldn't be in this position right now, and everything tenses, but it's like just allowing yourself just to relax a little bit. And you realise your body's so much more flexible than you give yourself credit for. But anyway so uh in your opinion what would be the specific benefits of applying a yoga practice to someone living on the autistic spectrum
1: well um something that is uh you know really apparent in yoga i think and just from a general perspective is the amount of times i've had people you know sort of say to me oh um how yoga has just been the thing that's sort of helped them through some of the most difficult times of their lives or saved them from, you know, some kind of internal hardship or, um, you know, that kind of theme and so generally what that says to me is is that you know it's very therapeutic um even without having to do that much apart from getting to some uncomfortable places (laughs) um and accept them and 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 be with it and let the potential of what can come out of that to flow and shine so it's a really um A lot of what yoga is, uh, for me and for us, is is about being able to release your potential. Um, One of the things about autism and sort of the the spectrum differences is that it really does affect the nervous system and the sensory processing system. And yoga has a a really intrinsic way of directly... connecting to the nervous system, and to uh, particularly what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is basically our calm nervous system, and which is what we need to thrive and not just survive, so to speak. Um, So what yoga does is it helps us come out of survival impulses, which is uh, sometimes where autism can get a bit stuck Mm. and be much more in, you know, a thriving impulse, which is a bit more regulated and balanced. Um, On a day-to-day basis, um, what it can do is assist somebody who um, may be self-regulating or being able to to be regulated with experience, with sensory processing and uh, with, Um, behaviours and emotions can be a bit harder it can help to sort of keep their tank quite nicely balanced and happily full so that um, they can regulate more easily which can help to minimise the effect of tipping over into overwhelm, anxiety, you know fight, flight Mm. or fright, uh, disorganisation or stress.
0: This is making a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. With some of the students I work with, uh, that flight or fight instinct is very present. Um, mm. But there's a lot of information there with the sensory nervous system. Um, mm. what, what does that What does that mean? You mean sensory input when someone might be like hypo or hypersensitive to touch? Is that Is that what you mean?
1: So a little bit. So obviously, um, we have what we know as our our, our sort of five external basic senses: mm. our sight our hearing, our touch, our taste and smell. Um, And then on top of that, we have many other senses. We also have a range of internal senses as well, some of them being what's called a vestibular sense, which is our sense of movement and balance.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Another one being our proprioceptive sense, which is uh, the sense of, how organised our body is in space, and the um, amount of pressure our muscles put into things. And
0: is that? Well, sorry, is that when you know that's where the term um, "he doesn't know his own strength" or "she doesn't know his own strength" is that yeah. where that comes from?
1: Yeah, exactly. So our brain has to organise how much pressure to put into, let's say, hammering a nail down mm. or picking up a delicate flower. And obviously, one of them is a very light pressure, and one is a much heavier pressure, and sometimes with, um, you know, spectrum-like differences, it's harder for the brain to organize that process, and it can get a bit flooded or overloaded or or, or not know, you know, where and how to apply that type of pressure or that type of muscle connectivity. Um, Sorry. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Another sense that we have is what's called our Interoceptive sense, which is an internal sense, and it basically is how we regulate our sense of sensation. So, the basic okay. senses of sensation being like things like thirst, hunger, hot, cold, or pain, for instance. Um, but some of the more complex senses of sensation are, you know, our feelings or our emotions or our, you know, responses to things. Um, And the thing is, with all of these senses, on a minute-to-minute basis or a second-to-second basis, we're actually having to take in a load of information, just being, Mm. and our brain has to filter that sensory information to ignore bits of what's coming in and just focus on the bits that are important or the attention, you know, where we need to be attentive to. And what can happen more often with autism is that sensory filtering system just is a little bit more open. So it, it, it doesn't filter as efficiently. And so there can be a lot of, uh, you know, sensory flooding And too much information coming in so that they are too reactive and responsive to everything that's going on in the environment.
0: God, this is making so much sense to me. Is this why massage techniques work so effectively with some people with autism? Because it it allows their mind to really focus on that particular pressure that's coming through.
1: Yeah, and it also helps them to organize where their body is in space and Mm. to feel grounded and, um, you know, able to, to actually feel in their body um, because when the vestibular, the proprioceptive sense is, is taking in too much information or it's dysregulated, it's quite, it can be harder to really feel your body and feel where you are in your body to feel grounded and organised. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can find us on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at A Rooftop Casual. You can also go to our website, a forward slash my site, where you can join the mailing list to get exclusive monthly content. Now back to the show. Man, this is making so much sense to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that much, I've only had about three years experience in the SEN um, right. profession, but... Um, what you're saying here uh, rings so many bells Um, in terms of the student I work with um, day in day out um, as I was saying with the session we do with yoga and again I have no experience in this field of in terms of applying yoga to autism I just know Mm. how it makes me feel when I do it and we just gave it a go and it really works Um, as I say it's obviously it's mood dependent Uh, we'll see um, get more out of some sessions than others but that's just the nature of it and that's okay but if I could I'd yes, like to that, break that meeting
1: sorry. Sorry to that's that meeting them element so even when there is you know a more heightened um, day or there's a bit there's a bit more stress coming in or they're not filtering or organizing as well as and um, uh, you know yesterday let's say um, we can still use the yoga to really try and, and meet them because the amazing thing about yoga is it's it's a technique that accesses the whole. It's not just body. It's not just mind. or It's not just emotions. It, it's kind of all of it. And it, you know, acts as a warm balm to all the senses. Um, mm. But especially those internal senses that, that I was just just talking about, which can often be challenged in some way because we're always having to sort of, you know, um, work out where we are in space, or regulate our, our environmental, uh, you know, inputs, what's going on in our environment. And obviously yoga has the physical element, but it also has, um, you know, all of the, the, the breathing and the relaxation, which really helps the nervous system, um, you know, calm so when the sensory processing system is taking in too much information, it can get a bit flooded, it can get on high alert and send messages to the nervous system of saying, or, oh, 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 you know, we need to be, you know, alert here, or maybe there's a potential threat, even when there isn't, for instance, but it's because there's just a lot of information coming in. Um, and what yoga does is it can really help to you know, regulate that and create a mental calm and when the processing system is just working a bit faster, which is what it, it can do, even a you know thirty seconds or a minute of relaxation and calm can create a difference for a whole day.
0: Completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Um, you know, if, let's say the session I do with this uh, young man, it goes well. Uh, we see a significant reduction in the challenging behavior he can display that day uh compared yeah. to days when we don't it's it's incredible um it it's just right. a just a stillness yeah. that comes over this this young man um and then we've got like probably one of our more heavy Academic sessions afterwards, yeah, which we we delve into kind of uh, more of the regulation of emotions in a formal setting. So we do things like mm-hmm. zones of regulation um, yeah. with them after with this man afterwards. Um, mm. And the, let's say if the session has gone really well, we can get so much more out of this person on the on in the formal setting afterwards as well. It just, yeah. as I say, it sets the day up right. Um, I noticed. Yeah. I, I,
1: so good, isn't it? I mean, it 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 just helps to create
0: space
1: mm. so that um you know they can actually process to their potential.
0: Yeah. Uh, is- as I say, um, the only reason I implemented it is just because I know how it makes me feel, um, and it should be no different for someone just because they have autism. Um, it just means, uh, you know, that it could be more effective. Let's say. Um. Mm. But anyway. But without giving too much away, what, do, what yeah. does yogaism specifically focus on or, or the breakdown of the course that happens over three days?
1: Um, so I think one of the things that um, enhances our technique is that we um, create a structure to the practice. Mm. And um, there is a structure which uh, aims to meet the individual where they are and then bring them to yoga rather than kind of going, right, we're doing yoga now, everybody on their mat, and we're going to be really calm, and that's not a place where they are, (laughs) if you know what I mean. So to Mm. then come from there to there, it it could be a really hard thing to do. So we have certain techniques and strategies in place to to really, you know, allow yoga to come to them really naturally. Um, And then... We take people through a range of, uh, you know, as I said, the structured technique, which uh, consists of some preparatory exercises to create healthy body-brain connections so that they have a better organized space to then be able to move on into, you know, sensory regulation techniques through, um, you know, a set of specific exercises body and sensory techniques and then the nervous system regulation which comes through the range of postures and with that it's ways that these postures can be taught to be met by the individual and then also ways that the relaxation breathing and mindfulness techniques can be taught again so that they can be met. By the individual, because uh, each individual's needs will be different, and as you said, depending on what day it is, or what time of day it is, or what's happened before, or you know. So, um, the more subtle techniques, like the uh, you know the, the relaxation and the mindfulness, which is are taught in a way that is very sensitive and directive to a person's on spectrum's needs or their way of working, and basically in a three-day foundation course, which is our, our initial training, which then anyone that comes on that course walks away with, number one, a lot of knowledge about autism that they may have already known but suddenly you know got a new kind of light bulb of, of insight, or you know it, it feeds with a, a really good, round-work education in autism. And what's going on with that processing system um, and a um, full three days takes you uh, through the learning the structure of the technique how to apply to meet the individual and how to run a class or a group session um, so you come walk away in those three days with a very coherent understanding of autism and how you can use yoga to enhance their
0: world. That's really comprehensive, and I can mm-hmm. I can vouch already for that. I I feel like I'm actually learning things now speaking to you. And uh, I've been mm-hmm. working in the SEN profession for about three years now, so I know that would I'd come away with a greater knowledge than I do now. It's kind of like uh, mm-hmm. you've been riding a bike all your life and then someone tells you that you're riding a bike and that this is what everything does about it. That's a really bad analogy, but (laughs) sorry. This is
1: how the wheels go around.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I process it in my own head anyway. Uh, But if I could for the listener, I'd just like to talk about some of the other specialist training you offer on top of this as well. You've got uh, yoga and the neurosensory group. You've got reflex yoga, yoga Mm -hmm. and communication, autism plus yoga as classroom pedagogy uh i think mm-hmm. hopefully i've pronounced that right and trauma rehabilitation and you say these courses are flexible tailored uh specifically and devised as requested and needs require um saying making yotism at the forefront of relevant exceptional practice for our asd clients and i agree with you you've got something that's so multifaceted here um, Mm -hmm. that you could appropriate for each person. You know, obviously you might have people coming to your training who are on the spectrum themselves as well as people who might be parents and carers who want to implement this as well. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. amazing, amazing. But what's the reaction and feedback been to this training?
1: Um, So, um, yeah, it's it's always very positive um, feedback. And um, what I I always say to to somebody is is that, you know, when you go on a training, um, even if it's one thing that you take away, that you use, that you know makes a difference, then that's worth it for a whole kind of three days um, training. Um, but generally, obviously we, you know, get people feeding back to us that it wasn't just one thing. It was, you know, a multitude of things and a whole practice and a bit of a, you know, a game changer in how they would, you know, use yoga, but understand other uh, ways of being able to access on a therapeutic level as well.
0: Uh, And if I could, I'd like to read the feedback from a parent on your website. It says, uh, my child has benefited enormously from this yoga in helping him calm, have better understanding and management of his body and the emotions, and in just allowing him that space in the business of his world to stop, organize, breathe and relax in a safe and loving way. And that's lovely because obviously, you know, what we can assume to do is we assume to understand what they're going through. And I think that's the wrong thing to do because you're not in their shoes. You're not at all. Um, And sometimes I wish I could... There was like this magic box in which I could just go and experience that headspace for a moment in time. And then I could understand. You know, I can sympathize or empathize, but I can't... I don't understand. I think it's wrong for me to say I do as well. Yeah,
1: I think... um, The thing I love about that particular testimony and that mother is that she really recognized that... um, you know, this this safe and loving kind of uh, approach was one of the key elements to being able to, you know, get to uh, better results with her her child. Um, And... In that, I think that a child feels met and understood to whatever capacity and also, you know, that they that they can express themselves fully as well. Um, and just to be able to have a little bit of space in your day, I think for all of us, every mm. one of us, you know, no matter what kind of neurodiverse planet that we're living on is so essential and necessary to being able to, you know, have a more balanced and regulated
0: way of being. Amazing. And if I could just read out the feedback from an adult yogi who is on the spectrum, um, Mm -hmm. that's on your website as well. It says, I do my little 10 to 30 minute yoga routine daily. If I miss it, I can really tell the difference. The longer I do not do it, the more my ASD symptoms begin to return. And after a few days, they are really starting to cause issues again. After a week, I'm really struggling to cope. And that's really valuable feedback. Um mm. you got from someone there who is walking walking in that shoe, you sent essentially, um, saying that, it just validates everything you're doing, Nicole. Oh,
1: yeah, I know. it's a great one, isn't it? <laughs>
0: amazing. Amazing. As I say, you just don't don't like don't say you understand until someone
1: work, You just you know, you just offer it with a, a you know, really nice offering, but actually they do all the work, so yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um but what would be your advice to a parent or carer who's looking to implement yoga as a part of their son or daughter's or student's lifestyle?
1: Um, So I think uh, one of the key pieces of advice that I would give is, number one, to try and, and, and go to a yoga class or session yourself and really experience it for yourself so that obviously if you're trying to to implement something or or, you know to bring something to them if you experience it in your body yourself and your memory of 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 how it feels is there then it will come through with much more you know genuinity and, and and that kind of safe loving approach that we were talking about so i would definitely advise you know to try to give it a go yourself and whether that be, you know, through an online at home or, you know, there's, there's some really great portals and places that you can access, you know, yoga for yourself. Um, And then uh, I think that one of the, the the important things is to have quite a a good consistent approach around it. So a very consistent sort of start, middle and end. Of a yoga session let's say Um, you know and so it's very safe and it's very uh, it it can flow really nicely for the individual and then within that there are different things that you can do there's different meanderings in terms of the different postures that you might do on different days but your your start the way you start your session you know the middle of it and and the way you end it, it if that is quite consistent then that is is really helpful uh, for the individual and for the whole the rhythm of a session as a whole, and then positive association to it because it's quite safe. Um, so to keep quite a consistent approach and to find yourself a good yoga deck pack of cards that's got some good visuals, um, is always really helpful for at home so that because it helps you know you as a parent, in Mm. terms of that reminder of of, uh, different postures or or different techniques. Um, But also it makes it really clear and accessible to a child um, if there's a really nice visual that they can uh, uh, have as part of their session.
0: Mm. Um, Sorry, how do you balance um, yoga being a therapy and also pushing someone to get the most out of it if they've got if they're living with ASC because um, I find that can be the challenge is mm. a, just getting to pushing them just that a little bit further um, but should it be looked at in it that way Should we be looking at it as a way to push them to, to achieve more or is it just or allowing them to rest where they reside in the posture? Do you see what I mean?
1: Yeah that's a good a good question. I mean I think as a whole yoga is, is very therapeutic naturally um, in itself and so when uh if it's got that that right connection then um naturally um there will probably be a natural push into sort of doing more and there are different ways that different uh, ways of getting the best out of yoga so it's not always about holding a posture for instance if your child uh you know feels very uncomfortable and gets very it gets reactive to that you can do repeat postures you know so you go into it you count three come back and then repeat you know and count three and that's it that's also that will regulate the system in a different way holding postures for longer can be more attentive and calm the system but only if they have so that sense that we were talking about, that interoceptive sense in terms of how well they respond to sensation comes mm. to play, you know, in terms of if you can understand that a little bit, then if there is a pain sensation and, and that the responses to that, that sense is, is a bit dysregulated, so the responses to that are quite strong, then you'll be inclined to, move, you know, access the posture, move into it go be there for as long as they're comfortable come back out and then do it again for instance so they can still get the full benefit of it rather than saying right we have to hold and go beyond our resistance um type of style Um, and this is what's great about saying you know using a technique or maybe training in a technique that is adapted yoga because it gives you those kinds of insights or skills of how to work with you know the individual's
0: needs and is there any schools or colleges currently using your training as part of their curriculum um
1: there are definitely schools um a few schools and colleges that are implementing it into their their daily classroom management mm-hmm. which is great um in terms of um inputting it as a as a curric on a curricular basis um that's still a little bit harder because of uh, the way that the curriculum works and the, the space in it. Um, but there are teachers who are being really innovative in making sure that it. they find time in their day or in their week to timetable yoga, which is just brilliant. And also um, one of the things, for instance, one of our specialisms that we were talking about sort of, yoga in the neurosensory group it, uh, or, or yoga as a classroom pedagogy gives you different sort of short sharp techniques that you can use in classroom management um, so different things that you can do in the morning routine and in, in sort of like the morning hello for instance coming back to class after transitions and um, going sitting down to do some formal learning uh, as you said so uh, we bring in yoga into the classroom day, and have a certain technique that uh, teachers can access to be able to do that.
0: Okay, and for the listeners at home, um, if people don't know how this really works, people uh, people in the SEN community, when they come into schools and colleges, they come with a, an e, an EHCP, which is an educational healthcare mm-hmm. plan, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first thought was when I discovered autismism I was like why isn't this part of it because obviously yeah. a person's education <laughs> is important but sometimes and uh, and in cases that I know about their well-being is their top priority not really their education I know I know I shouldn't really be saying that I do work in a college yeah. but sometimes that's the obstacle <laughs> in the way before we can focus on the more academic work you see what I mean and I was just thinking, yeah, well,
1: ultimately, that needs to be in place to be able to access learning mm. um, and, you know, more intrinsic learning as well. So, yeah, it's one of the key points as far as I'm concerned, definitely, yeah.
0: Oh, I'd love to see yotism as part of a national curriculum, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, sorry. There
1: are, there are some really lovely yoga bodies now that, um, you know, we are... Part of a collective that are definitely putting it out there and petitioning for yoga to be accepted in um, the, the national curriculum status, and it it is getting places. Um, it is slow in recognition, and it does need um, you know more of a push. But it is definitely getting places. And I always the way I always look at it look at it is is that look where we've come in the last five years in terms of Resources, education, um, awareness—you know, interventions, or even just you know a real kind of openness and acceptance. And so, then, if we think of the next five years, um, you know, who knows where it could go, really. And in terms of EHCP plans, there are certain um, in terms of uh, an overall well-being plan. and um, parents' budgets, they, there is allocation. Parents now uh, have the ability to allocate their budgets where they see fit uh, mm. with some of their well-being um, practices, and yoga definitely comes down as one of those. Okay. So if a parent knows their staff and knows what they can access under their EHCP plan, which sometimes is a bit harder to know, then um, sometimes you can access it not uh, within school but in the outside of the um, healthcare and out of school.
0: I think that's really positive. And just to mm-hmm. clarify uh, for the listeners at home, I'm not saying you should have like 30 or 40 people in a classroom uh, doing yoga every day. I'm just yeah. saying as long as it's in the healthcare plan, as like. As you're talking mm. saying as you've evidently said there's a lot of scientific basis to what you're talking about if it's in the educa- educational healthcare plan there's um accountability there you see what i mean then we have to yeah. start providing it whether it's not it's not like 40 people in a classroom doing yoga but it's part of a bespoke learning program that's meeting their well-being yeah. to help them achieve their education um, that's that's my point on it um yeah brilliant and uh, uh, well said <laughs> <laughs> um but um, finally, what's next for you, Nicole? What does 2018 or 19 bring for Yotism and yourself?
1: Um, oh, gosh, uh, loads. Big question. So, yeah, big question. Um, there's a few things in our uh, Yotism's development. Um, one of them is that we are um, developing at the moment a set of resource packs to go with the yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, that parents and professionals can access to be able to to use as a, as an aid to uh, their practice. Um, as an example, um, we have a, a a resource pack as in yoga to aid sleep, which has certain uh, calming and relaxing tools and resources in it. We have yoga for anxiety as a resource pack, which has some lovely sort of little uh, you know, sort of weighted items and um, something that I really love, which are these sort of anxiety finger rings, which work really well as a mindfulness technique, um, you know, and so, etc. from there. So, we, we are creating these resource packs. And um, on top of that, we are developing a 200 hour uh, teacher training program in our reflex yoga style and method. Nice. And then um, we are also developing a program which um, one of our sort of real passions as well is, is being able to give adults on the spectrum opportunities and wider opportunities, especially in a workplace or, you know, an independent living environment. And so we are developing a course which it, I, I think probably will more likely be launched in 2020 because I really want to take time to develop this properly. But um, we are developing a course that is for people on spectrum to be able to come and train as yoga teachers so they then can upskill to be able to, uh, you know, work as independents in the wider world as an adult.
0: That's incredible. So you're talking someone on the spectrum learning from yogaism then imparting their knowledge with their with their own personal flair to others.
1: Yes, yeah, so being able to effectively become a yoga teacher and run classes and sessions um, you know, for other people on the spectrum.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah that's amazing (laughs) yeah the the knowledge they or the personal flair they could impart onto that training would be amazing you know again it's about trying to understand as much as possible um what it's like to be in their shoes so finally um how do people find out more and stay up to date on all things yotism
1: so all things yotism um so we have a website um which is www.yotism.com we also have a Facebook page, so if you just go and search Yotism on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, um, which uh, has its spurts, sometimes I'm like, blah, 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 you know, posting <laughs> loads of stuff all the time, and writing up loads of stuff, and, you know, then I have a quiet week. So, you know, mm-hmm. just just go with the flow with that one. There's always lots of good um, feed-off information and videos and posts there, um, and, we will be doing more things like this. We're often at uh, quite a lot of events as well, um, uh, and autism education events and conferences. And so we do get invited to speak and present. Um, So, yeah, so those are the different portals. We're on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the normal social media streams. So, uh, yeah, if you want to find out more about us, come and find us.
0: Nice. And where's your next, when are your next workshops and courses and where?
1: So our uh, courses, our trainings are normally held in our studio, which is based in Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire. Um, But we do also run courses uh, at different times of the year in Manchester, so up north and then um, in Brighton and down south and so we try and make it sort of you know, as accessible as possible um, to people and we have courses running throughout the year really our foundation training is normally run once every three months and normally in our up north courses at the beginning of the year generally um, and majority of our courses are held in Hertfordshire
0: lovely uh nicole this has been an amazing conversation and thank you so much for being on the show and for being so open about your practice as well um what you and autism are doing is really really important and what i say this podcast is about is about new ideas and social change and yotism and yourself are doing that perfectly so thank you
1: thank you thank you so much for inviting me on and it's been really really an absolute pleasure to chat to you and um to know that you are so interested and passionate to right. learn more, and also that you have been just applying it from your own, uh, you know, knowledge and your own intuition, which that's what it is. It's an intuitive practice. So, well yeah, done.
0: <laughs> I completely agree. I came into well, especially in terms of applying yoga to autism, it was just blind enthusiasm um, from yeah. my own <laughs> experience from it. But talking to you, this is there's a there's a huge scientific basis behind this. Um, And thank you for imparting part of that today.
1: Yeah, great. And maybe one day we'll see you on a training course, which would be lovely.
0: Definitely, 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 definitely. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Okay, Nicole, thank you so much. Uh, Okay, cheers, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Rooftop Casual. You can find out more about my guests and stay up to date on the news of the podcast by going to the website, a link to which can be found on the Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages at A Rooftop Casual. See you next time.